Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. I hope he's standing next to me today. We took him seriously today, it looks like, two or three. We uh, Gatherings like this always remind me of the, um, the old farmer. It was a preacher, good preacher. One Sunday night, it was just a blizzard, absolute blizzard. And old Farmer Johnson made it there anyhow on his buckboard. Horse pulled the, horse pulled the, uh, the buckboard up to the church. Farmer Johnson got out. The preacher was there to, to, to welcome him. He said, come on in. We're gonna, you showed up. We're going to have a service. And the uh, preacher got up and um, went about an hour and a half. Gave the the the, uh, the invitation at the end, saying all eight verses of "Just as I am, I come." Right. Got down off the podium, walked to the back door, and stood there for Farmer Johnson to walk on out. Farmer Johnson walked up to him. He said, "Preacher, it's you and me. Uh, eight verses, hour and a half. I mean, hey, I, I appreciate everything you did, man." But I, he goes, Farmer Johnson, he said, when you call the cows to feed them, if only one cow comes, don't you still feed them? He said, yeah, but I won't give them a whole bale of hay. <laughs> I praise God for intimacy. I praise God for intimacy. It doesn't make any difference how many... I don't know, maybe it does make a difference how many people are praying, but I think it makes a lot more difference who we're praying to. Amen? Amen. So a prayer meeting with a few, I praise God for intimacy. Um, the subject for today was uh, uh, revival in our families. And we were going to talk about families. And we had, oh, what a session we had here in the morning. The, uh, the exhortation from Dave and the prayer, oh, this, this has been good. It's been really good. Uh, when I started meditating a bit upon what I would want to say uh, about families, um, I would like to, uh, to impress upon the fathers the responsibility that they have before God. Of course, the, the wives... Their uh, responsibility is more of a submissive role. The, the, the husbands, their responsibility is more of a leadership role. And we have talked already about natural tendencies. And if the natural tendency of the woman is to, uh, uh, is to take over, I can guarantee you the natural tendency of the man is to abdicate and to, uh, uh, to shun his responsibilities that God has given him. There was a study that I remember studying years ago, and it talked about an affluent, achieved society, a society that was no longer fighting to get to the top or protecting anything big. And one of the uh, and one of the marks of that kind of a society that had achieved, that was on the top, that was affluent, was passiveness in males. And um, I believe we see that in our society today as the passiveness. Of the males, uh, I've, all, I've often said that um, that most of us nowadays wouldn't wouldn't know how to wouldn't know how to befriend a man if we met him. 
and I'm not going to call names, but I, I know all you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, he was a man. People didn't know how to handle him real well. But he was a man, you know. You yank a guy back out of the 30s or 40s, you bring him into today, and he'd go, what? What is this, you know? You go back to the pioneer days, and I've always said, I think the women pioneers were tougher than the men are today. I believe that to be true. Uh, I believe that we as men have, to a large extent, abdicated our responsibility uh, to the family. Um, the text that I wanted to look at today was Psalm chapter 1. Uh, it, it is a, to me, it is, the, uh, it is the Proverbs 31 for men. It's the Proverbs 31 for men. Of course, as we read it, uh, the, uh, the, 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 you know, blessed is the man. It could be just as much as easy. Blessed is the woman probably. Um, but in application for today, I would like to apply this. Psalms chapter 1 to us men, to the leaders of our families. We are the ones to be the leaders of the family. And I want us to look at it today in that uh, spectrum. And uh, through, that, uh, um, through that lens is... Uh, is that it will be the, the leader of our families. Uh, you know, we, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this in order or not, but the families have taken a hit, you know what I mean, in this society. Um, uh, and it, didn't, it hadn't just started here in the last few years, you know. Uh, it's, it's gone way back, you know. what? Uh, I, I don't want to pin it on, well, I guess I'm going to come right out and say what I'm thinking. I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to pin it all on the homosexuals. I don't want to do that. Uh, the heterosexuals ruined marriage, if you ask me, a long time ago. They they put a big dent in it. Um, I've always uh, I've always compared it to a, a, a beaten, a real beaten. You know, you take a man and you beat him down into a corner real bad, um, and you turn to leave him there, but the meanest guy in your group always goes back to kick him once or twice when he's down in a corner, and. Uh, the homosexual movement might be the ones kicking him in the corner, but, but the heterosexuals are the ones that beat him into the corner as far as marriage goes. Uh, we have treated it, uh, uh, you know, when you see people married four, five, six times, um, it's just, it, 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 mean, it, it begins to mean nothing. And that's, and that's what I think has occurred. Uh, and, that's, and that's the push continues to make marriage mean nothing. Um, Let's get into Psalm chapter 1. There's a few other things I want to say under the cover of uh, Psalm chapter 1. Who, uh, Th Thomas, you're there, right? Yes, sir. In Psalm chapter 1? Uh, and you, and you, had a, you had an ungodly version, right? Okay. Let's go with the ungodly. You guys will catch it here in a second. Just verse 1, Thomas, if you would. We can stop there for now, Thomas. Uh, let's start off first with blessed. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk about this. This, just, this touches me too deep sometimes. Um, I 
How about them bears? Yeah. <laughs> How about them Packers, right? Whoo, man. You want to be blessed? Mm. You want to be happy? Yeah. Thought this was going to be funny. (laughs) You want to be blessed? Watch your son lead a group in praise. Mmm. Blessed is the man uh, that could have a family like that. Watch your daughter lead a Bible study. Blessed is that man. Happy man. You couldn't, you know, you guys know me. I've killed a lot of deer. I've caught a lot of big fish. There ain't nothing like this. There ain't nothing like it, man. There ain't nothing like it. Blessed is that man. Dave, you got it coming to you. You got it coming to you, brother. I can see it. Blessed is that man that uh, I wanted to concentrate on blessedness, on happiness. Hassad, right? That's the word. You want to be happy? You want to be happy? Form your family. Thank you. Thank you. You want to be happy? Form your family correctly. Let your children rise up and call you blessed. (laughs) There's nothing like it. There's nothing like seeing your kids. You know it, Dennis. Following the Lord. There's nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. It is stunning. It is amazing. It is a blessing. Blessed is the man that... Walk, stand. What's the word? Sit, walks, walks. That walketh not. Yeah, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And the reason I wanted the ungodly version was because I wanted to ask the question who's the ungodly? Right? Who are the ungodly? We hear a lot about ungodly people. When you have a perception in your mind of ungodly, what is ungodly to you? I had to think about that for a while. Um, And you're going to get a little bit of Billy Lawson theology now. Uh, I don't don't know what the word is in the original. Um, I know what I see on on, on the pages of my Bible. I've been told that it's... uh, about 98% of the time, it is not just a good translation. It's the best translation is what we have today. And I would say that the ungodly, follow me close. I'm simple, member. Follow me close. The ungodly are those that want to ungod everything. They want to ungod everything. If I pull a... 
going for a single, Thomas. Is that a single? I don't know where it says it, but we all know it says it, right? What's it say on there? It says, in God we trust. Big push to get that off of the dollar bill, isn't there? It's a big push to get that off of our money. In God we trust. Those are the ungodly. They're trying to un-God everything that they can. They don't believe in God. They're trying to un-God well, they're, try, they're, they're trying to un-God our educational system. They've done a, a right well job of it too, haven't they? Was well, in 1964-65, they kicked prayer out of schools. They're trying to un-God schools. You're not, I mean, they're trying to un-God the government, the, uh, the uh, separation of church and state that's not even in the Constitution, but there's a separation of church and state. What that means to them is that the church is not allowed to step into state things. That's all it means. It doesn't mean the state's not allowed to step into church things. We all know that. That's not what they believe. But they are trying to un-God the, uh, uh, the government. They are, they've tried to un-God our political parties. They've tried to un-God our philosophy. They've taken God out of philosophy. You know, I once heard a, a real good explanation of temptation by a guy named Peter Lord. And he's, he said that... Uh, the temptation is Satan enticing us to fulfill a God-given drive in a God-forbidden way. They are trying to un-God the relationship between a man and a woman. They're trying to take God out of that situation. I heard another couple at the chapel years ago said, we take God into the bedroom with us. Uh, Captain Frank used to say the same thing to us about talking about sex. He'd say, man, it's the, he'd go, I love it. He'd say, I love it in its right place, in its right place. The ungodly are trying to take God out of the man-woman relationship. The ungodly are trying to take, uh, uh, is, tr- is trying to take God out of, our, uh, out of our businesses. They're trying to take God out of our financial institutions. Uh, there's many of them that are trying to take God out of our churches. The ungodly are those that don't believe in God. They want to take God out of science. And they've done a right well job of it, haven't they? Who knows about DNA better than anybody? God, right? Who knows about how man was created better than anybody? God. They are trying to un-God everything. Fathers, don't give them an inch with your family. Don't give them an inch with your family. They don't deserve an inch. Don't give this philosophy of un-God one inch because it is pervasive, absolutely pervasive. It leaves no corner of your existence untouched. When God is our all in all, right? He is everything to us. The Bible says he gives us life and he gives us breath. If you are drawing breath, it is because God still has mercy on your soul. He is our all in all. The ungodly, the counsel of the ungodly, want to take that and wash it all away from us. They want to take God and completely take him out of 
our existence. They don't want to give him credit for starting us. They don't want to give him credit for sustaining us. They completely want to take God out of our, uh, our, our, our eternal destination. That's what he is. That's, that's, he, he is our all in all. The ungodly, the counsel of the ungodly wants to take all of that away. There are many other areas that I'm sure I have skipped over where the ungodly want to ungod. They want, oh, yeah, that's the big one. This was a big one. They want to ungod our entertainment. God wants to be all in all in our entertainment. Look at what the, look at what the ungodly counsel has done to our entertainment. Now, you know what? Let me rephrase that. Don't look at what the ungodly counsel has done to our entertainment. Don't look, don't look at it. What comes through the eye hole, it's there forever. It's there forever. You'll, you'll, things that you saw 50 years ago will come back to you. Don't look at it. It's not worth it. They have, they have perverted our entertainment. They have perverted our philosophy. They have perverted so many things. Uh, um, he has perverted so many things that uh, absolutely pervasive. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Walking, you're still moving. We all know about the progression of Psalms 1. Walk, stand, sit. There's a progression to that. Walking denotes movement. Walking denotes in and out. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't peek in there. Um, The the only reason you would ever want to know about anything on that side is to be able to debate against it. I I would counsel to know your enemy's arguments and be able to really, really stand up to their arguments. Bob and I have spoke relatively recently about being beware of the straw man that we all make, right? And, this, and here's, the, here's the idea behind the straw man. Beware of that straw man where, where you're going to debate creation versus evolution, okay? And, you, uh, and you, you form this idea of what an evolutionist believes, and then you debunk it. That makes sense, does it? That the idea that you have formed about the evolutionist is the straw man. You have built their case for him with purposeful flaws in it so that you can undermine it in your own mind. You will be much more, uh, uh, much better served to really know what they believe and to really go after them. I was, uh, excuse me, I was uh, uh, stunned, not stunned, but I was really um, uh, um, spoken to. I was uh, encouraged by the, the uh, debate that I saw between Ken Ham and Bill Nye, the science guy, right? Bill Nye, the science guy, really present. I'm not going to say Ken Ham knocked him out of the park. He didn't. They, it was, in my mind, it was a real stalemate. Um, if we're not for the, the, some of the questions from the audience uh, after the debate, um, I, I, I might have given it to Bill Nye. I'm not sure. But um, some of the things that the, that, that the audience asked Bill Nye stumped them. Absolutely stumped him. Um, there was other things that I think he purposely uh, circumvented. Um, 
but there was things that they absolutely stumped them with. But you were able to see through Bill Nye the real debate against uh, against evolutionism, evolution, okay? Uh, the other guy that did it, and I'm not even sure the guy's a Christian, was that Ben, uh, uh, who, was who was it that did um, Expelled? Ben Stein, yeah, when Ben Stein did Expelled and he had, was it Hawking or Dawkins? Was it Dawkins that he had and he pinned Dawkins down to where did life begin? Where did it begin? And here you have the man who was on the pinnacle of evolutionary thought. The absolute man that everybody turns to when they have a question about evolution. And he said, I think it started on the backs of crystals. Is that the best you got? That's the best you got? I'm an idiot. And I know better than that. You know, the backs of crystals? Really? It's good to really know. The art, don't make the straw man. Don't think you know what they're talking about. Go over there and get to know what they're talking about. But do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor do you stand in the way of sinners. And that my, and, and share, my wife, I, it's, you know, some people can take this differently than others, you know. Um, Standing in the way of sinners, in other words, stopping them. No, no, that's not what this thing's talking about. This thing is talking about being with them. And now not, not, not anymore moving through in your thoughts or in your absolute actions, but I think this, most of this is talking about your, uh, your, 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 your thoughts, your, your, uh, your heart, um, your, your will, not necessarily your, what you do. And we'll get into that in a minute also. But do not walk, uh, or stand in the way of sinners. Okay, do not participate with them in their sin. One of my favorite quotes, do not participate with them in their sin. One of my favorite quotes from Howard, it was Howard Hendricks. I'm almost positive it was Howard Hendricks. He said, if you're not mixing it up with the pagans at least once a week, what good are you? In other words, in other words don't, don't, uh, don't shun your neighbors. Bring them close to you. Don't participate in their sin. Bring your neighbors close to you. If you're not mixing it up with the pagans at least once a week. What, you know, he said, man, I, I go out and I join a JC's club. Or I go down and join a Kiwanis club. Or whatever, you know. Um, they need us. They, they need what we've got. They need what we've got, right? But do not stand. Do not participate. Do not stand with them. Your progression is from walking to standing and do not sit in the seat of the scornful. If you walk and listen to the counsel, if you sit and participate in the activity, you will end up sitting in the seat. You'll be the leader of them. You'll be the leader of them. Do not do those things. Do not, man of God, father of kids, of kids that you want to be godly kids, do not do those things. Because you're teaching. I don't care whether you stand up in front of a group of people. I don't care whether you can disseminate uh, the differences in whatever theologies. Uh, you, you don't. You're, are, you, are you a father? You're a teacher. 24-7. You teach. 24-7. You're not teaching with your mouth. You're teaching with your life. Right? Do not. Do not walk. Do not stand. Do not sit. Right? But your delight 
should be in the law of the Lord God Almighty. Now, I know that the law has taken a hit. You know, um, of course, we know we're not under the law. But what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Um, I mean, the last because the last time I looked, it's still wrong to kill somebody. It's still wrong to have adultery. It's still wrong to covet your neighbor's whatever. You know what I mean? Um, uh, we're not under the law. I believe that Jesus came and fulfilled the law. He changed it to this effect. Not one jot nor tittle, I don't think, will disappear until all is fulfilled. Right? Uh, uh, not until, you know, till heaven and earth pass away, till all is fulfilled, not one jot nor tittle will disappear. But I believe that Jesus fulfilled it in this wise, in this way, that um, the, old, uh, the old system of the law uh, was a bunch of do's and don'ts, and we were under those do's and don'ts, right? There was a whole list of things we were allowed to do. There was a whole list of things we were supposed to do. But what it bred was what he saw in the Pharisees. What I call the whited sepulcher syndrome. Oh, you, you're, 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 you, you guys are like a bunch of painted graves. On the outside, you look real good. You got a couple of coats of Benjamin Moore paint on the outside of you. You're looking great, man. But on the inside, you're a grave. You're full of dead men's bones. The law bred that kind of a thing because you could do the right thing without being the right thing on the inside. So when he came and he said, you've heard it said that you shouldn't kill, right? Well, I say to you, if you hate your brother, you've killed him already. You've heard it said that you should not commit adultery, right? Right. Well, I say to you, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. Now here, you know, and us legalists, we want to take, oh, we've got to clean up our thought lives, right? You know, no, what Jesus is saying is not only don't, not only don't do those things, don't be that way. Don't be that way. Look to the perfect law of liberty. It's there. It's there. The whole counsel of God is there for us to look into that mirror. And like we were talking about yesterday, what, what we want to do is, you know, either we take that mirror off the wall and we look at it ourselves and we see what manner of man we are. And what do you do? Do you try to wash yourself off with the mirror? <laughs> no. There's something else that you wash with. It's called the blood of Christ. The mirror has a purpose. The blood of Christ has a purpose. The other thing that we like to do with that mirror is take that mirror off the wall and walk up to somebody else and flip it around and show them the mirror. Look how bad you are. That's not what the mirror's there for. That's not what the law is there for. What we've got to remember about the law is that the law, the law of God is perfect, and it converts the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure, and it makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure. They enlighten the eyes. They're to be desired more than a lot of gold, and they are sweeter. <laughs> you want to be blessed. You want to be blessed. These things are sweet. They're sweeter than the honeycomb. Moreover, more yet, moreover by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. You know, we, don't, we do not appreciate nowadays anymore a good warning. Because we're warned about all sorts of garbage, you know. Warning, keep off the grass. What? What? You know, 
It, what? But you're happy when you see warning, high voltage. That's the kind of warning that the Word of God gives. It's the warnings that He wants us to see and to avoid. A good warning. We do, do not be mad at a good warning. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is blessedness. There is blessedness. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. Roll it over, man. Roll it over. Look at it circumspectly. Look at it from the bottom, from the side, from the top, from the other side, from the back end, from the front end. You think about You meditate. On the law of the Lord, I, it, it um, it it's uh, uh, it's one of the good things about not being able to read as much, is that you have to think about things a lot more than just read about them. You have to think about things a lot more, and that's what meditation is. Meditate on the law of the Lord. What's verse 3, Thomas? Verse 3, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I'm, I'm going to throw this catcher out. Not that you guys are going anywhere, but we're going to talk about the prosperity doctrine here in a few minutes, all right? We're gonna, you're going to get Billy Lawson's prosperity doctrine, all right? Um, but to start with, we're going to talk about a tree. He will be like a tree. I want you to be like dads. I want you to be like a tree to your kids. What does a tree do? A tree brings sustenance. A tree gives shade. <laughs> And I gotta, I, I gotta confess to you, you know, when I, you know, when you read this, he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What is, you know, what that brings to my mind? A rope swing. It brings to me a rope swing, man. Have fun with your kids. My dad's, uh, he's probably not even five four now. My dad's not even five four now. I can remember being on a school bus when we still lived in Illinois, telling people how big. And strong my dad was. I can remember that. Fathers, be a hero to your kids. Be a hero to them. <laughs> I, know there's, I know that there's a parental intelligence meter. I know that. When a kid's young, you know, you, you think your dad's the biggest and strongest kid man on the face of the earth. By the time you're about 14 or 15, you think your dad's the weakest, stupidest guy out there. And it takes till a, you're about 30 to realize, you know what? Dad's big and strong. That's how it went with me, anyhow. Um, I didn't appreciate, you know, there was a long time there when I really didn't appreciate my dad so much. We, my dad and I have had a good relationship all the way through. But it's, you know, what's up here a lot of times. I know there's a parental, a parental intelligence meter that goes on there. But dads, be a hero to your, to your kids. Be somebody that your kids want to be around. It's tough. Well, it's not tough. All you got to do is don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. 
Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Your kids are watching, man. They're watching 24-7. Be like a tree. Bring protection. Bring protection. In a stampede, people get behind a tree, right? If there's things going on on the ground they don't like, people can climb a tree. Don't do that with a bear. But it works in a lot of other situations. A tree brings protection. A a tree brings sustenance. A tree provides many things. And we know as fathers, if a man doesn't provide for his family, what is he? He's worse than an infidel. That's scripture. If a man doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. And provision, you could preach a long sermon on what a man should provide for his family. We should be like a tree to our family. Now listen to this. We should be like a tree planted. We should be like a tree planted. Okay? This is not a naturally occurring tree. This is a tree that has been placed in a certain place at a certain time because I don't know why. I don't know the reason why that tree was planted there. God knows. We, ha- we as men have to understand what we are, why we're here, and why, why, why we occurred in this place, in this time. God could put us a lot of different places. He has planted us here for a specific reason. There are qualities, and it goes beyond qualities, but there are qualities that you have that nobody else has. There are abilities that you have that nobody else has. You are a key that will open the door to some kind of a situation that only you can do. You've been specifically planted in a place. And that, Dave, that's why I was asking you about that lady at the leadership conference. Um, if anybody knows who I'm talking about, please let me know. She was a lady that did 20 years in the Congo. She was a missionary with her husband. She moved back to the Park of the Palms and she started working. And it was either some kind of a publishing house or some kind of a um, literature distribution business. They, they gave a presentation of it at the leadership conference in October. Okay, And um, she did 20 years in the, in the Congo as a missionary. And then she came over here, and then she's involved in the literature, in the literature trade. Okay, uh, after she left the Congo, uh, there was the big civil war over there. Christians just massacred, killed left and right. Um, literature burned, uh, absolutely left uh, spiritually desolate. Okay, this lady knew the roads, knew the cities, knew the leaders, knew everything. And had was sitting on a ton of literature that she could get to the Congo. She was in a specific place. She joined those two uh, things. You could tell I couldn't find the word I wanted, right? She specifically joined those two things and was able to redistribute at a much more rapid pace than usual Christian literature back into the Congo because of her specific spot that she had been planted in. We each have a place 
like that. We have a spot that God has planted us, fathers especially. We have a spot that, that, that God has planted us in. Let us be like a tree, immovable, fun, sustaining, uh, uh, providing, okay? That tree's been planted in a specific spot. We'd be, our, be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, okay? You can go get the rope swing if you want. I'd have one. I'd, personally, I'd have one. I'd have a rope swing in my tree, but that's me. Um, the rivers of water obviously speaking to us of the continuous sustenance that continues to flow. You know, you go to some of these springs upstate here and other places in the nation, it, they, they stun me. I, I don't, I'm not a geologist. I don't know where the water comes from. But it keeps flowing out of that spring at the same rate, at the same temperature, 24-7, 365 for decades. It's still coming out of there. I can't stop it. The water just keeps coming. It's, just, it's a continuous flow of life-giving sustenance. Be like a tree planted by a river. A continuous flow. The, the, your leaf withers not. The things that you do don't, you know, it, it, uh, who was it? Moody. Was it Moody? Yeah, it was Moody. Said that the Christian, the, uh, how do you put it? In Christianity, all trees are evergreens, right? Your, wheat, your leaf doesn't wither. You always are green. You always have, but you have, but you do have a season, right? You are, you are timely as a father. You need to be timely as a father. Don't rush things. Don't lax on things. Timing is just about everything. Timing is just about everything. Have a season. Whatever you do, oh, you'll prosper. Right? Hey, we all want to prosper, don't we? We all want to be the best at what we do. But here's the problem with what you think the prosperity doctrine is, but what I believe it actually to be. It says whatever you do, you'll prosper. Guess what? If you end up being a multimillionaire and you don't, and you, and you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, and you don't stand in the seat of sinners, stand in the way of sinners, and you don't sit in the seat of the scornful, but you meditate upon the Lord day and night, and you are like a tree planted in your spot by the rivers of water, and you're a millionaire, guess what? You'll be the millionaire God wants you to be. But if you find yourself in abject poverty, and you, and you, uh, and you don't... Um, Walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But you meditate on the Lord's law day and night, and you are like a tree planted in your spot. It happens to be in abject poverty. You will be the poverty-stricken man that God wants you to be. That's the prosperity doctrine that I see. If you find yourself with an illness that you can't shake, you will be an ill person that God wants you to be. If you find yourself in any situation that the, that the, the world doesn't look on as great, but you are who you're supposed to be, you've been planted there. You be the one that God wants you to be. And that, my friend... Is prosperous.
That's prosperous. Prosperity has nothing to do with money and with wealth. That's all going away. It's all going away. We're not going to take any of it with us. It's all going away. That, my friend, is prosperity. You be the best poverty-stricken person you can possibly be underneath the, 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 the counsel of godly men with the law in your mind constantly, 24-7, in his law, he meditates day and night. Do what you're supposed to do. Like Tommy Nelson says, don't do stupid. Jettison the sin. Stay away from the sin. Those are the first three things. Lay aside, like Thomas said yesterday, take it off and lay it down. Lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. Remember, you're teaching 24-7. You're teaching. You don't think they know. You think you do it in secret. Really? Really? It ain't going to be a secret forever. It's not going to be a secret. You will be found out. Be sure your sins will find you out. Amen? Next verse. Amen. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff that the wind blows clean away. We all know, you know, how they used to in a stiff breeze, throw the grain up into the air and the pounding of the grain when it would land would separate the husk from the grain and they'd throw it up and the husk, which is the chaff, would blow away. And the grain, which has more weight, would fall down to its original purpose whether it was to be ground into bread, boiled and eaten as rice, no matter what it was, the grain that had more weight falls down to its original purpose. But the wicked are like the chaff that are blown clean away. Who knows what happens to them? They end up wherever the wind will blow them. The wicked are like that. Those that have been planted and stay by the rivers of water, they have the weight to fall back down to their original usefulness. Okay? The ungodly. And I want to spend, I don't know about time, but I want you to think about at least the ungodly. The ungodly will not stand in a judgment. What is your posture towards that statement? How do you posture yourself towards that statement? The ungodly, are you, you think, Man, they're going to get what they deserve. They've bothered me my whole life. They've taken my nation and they've ruined it. The ungodly will not stand in the day of judgment. Let me tell you something. Where they're going after that judgment, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Brothers and sisters, the ungodly are not going to stand in the judgment. They need to be plucked as a brand from hell. The ungodly are not going to stand in the day of judgment. They don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. You know, our, our judgment at the Bema Seat is going to be, how good did you do? You're on the way in. You might be coming in as by fire, but you're on the way in. Their judgment, they've got no hope at their judgment. They, none of them, none of them will stand in the day of judgment. What's your posture towards that fact? 
Just a self-check. I feel like I've spoken for long enough. Um, Other than to say, remember that the whole um, thrust of this Psalms 1 was to the dads. The dads bear the weight of the family. If your family does really good, and this is the thing about a dad, you're in a no-win situation. If if your family does really good, um, it's probably because of your wife. Okay? It's probably because your wife did good with your kids. But if your family does bad, it's your fault. It's your fault. Now, I know that you're not raising kids. You're raising people. And people are going to make their own choices. And I know that. I know that. But I hope you know what I mean, too, is that you are responsible for those kids. As a father, the buck stops with you. Okay? And we as fathers need to realize that. We as fathers need to realize that. Mothers... Mothers, aunts, uncles, grandpa and grandma, you guys have all got your roles to play, without a doubt. I mean, and a good father pulls all those roles together. All of them come together to, uh, to, to, to really do a good thing. But dads, the buck stops at you. Um, let's pray against the counsel of the ungodly. Let's pray against the counsel of the ungodly. They have pervaded our society. Uh, You know, Satan's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? Um, Technology maybe gave him a few more teeth, but that roaring lion's been there a long time. You know, our society... Um, we're kind of a bubble, I think. We're kind of a bubble. Um, there's been wicked, evil things that have gone on for thousands of years. My uh, my cousin took a trip to um, Pompeii, Italy, and she was struck by the pornography that was displayed in the streets of the of old Pompeii that was cut into the pathways that was hanging on the doorposts. Disgusting stuff. That's why I say we're kind of in a bubble. And now we're seeing it come to our shores. Um, Let's pray against the counsel of the ungodly. Mostly, let's pray that we don't fall into it. Don't give them an inch. I mean, don't give the counsel of of the ungodly not one inch. It's one of the biggest lies I've ever heard, and I went along with it at the time. You know, hey, man, what we do behind closed doors between adults is our business. Now they're teaching it to our elementary, to our elementary school kids, right? Pray against the counsel of the ungodly. Pray that it would not take us over. Amen. There's many other things to pray about. Um, uh, that's what I would. That's what I would say. The thrust of it um, should be at least a start. 
but to obviously let the Spirit lead.